When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life, a podcast where you'll gain insights from relationship experts and entrepreneurial couples who have moved through conflict and into a better life. Crack the clarity code and create deeper connections beyond the messiness of relationships. Here's your host, Judy K. Herman. Welcome to the second episode of Better Relationships, Better Life. I'm your host, Judy K. Herman. Today, I'm honored to interview my dear friends, Dan and Joanne Miller. Dan is the founder of the 48 Days Project for those seeking to find or create work they love. Joanne is an artist, author, and speaker. Her best-selling book, Creating a Haven of Peace, details the many successful ways in which they have focused on positivity and respecting differences. They have been married for over 52 years. Wow. How have they stayed in love through the decades, through children, grandchildren, hopes, fears, and dreams? Let's find out on today's episode. Welcome to Better Relationships, Better Life. My name is Judy Herman, and you are going to be so delighted by the guests that I have today. I would like to introduce you to Dan and Joanne Miller. They have been mentors of mine, and I've been able to also be in their home when they lived in Franklin and see up close and personal their relationships with their grown children and grandchildren. It's gonna be a delight as you tune into this episode. Let me introduce you first of all. Dan is the author of New York Times best-selling book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. And actually, Dan, that was my first exposure to you is your book and also hearing you at conferences when I was writing my book and following Jeff Goings. So I heard you speak at first, uh, read your book, also listened to your podcast. It has an amazing outreach. But then, Joanne, I've gotten to know you and it's just been so beautiful to watch your family, and also to read your book called Creating a Haven of Peace, which I have right here. I've given this book away as gifts to family members because there's something really special about the two of you. Um, When you first meet Dan and Joanne, I'm going to tell you, it's like you've known them all your life. They give you that kind of feeling and that kind of, they create that space and that peace in those relationships, which is what I would like to focus on. So I can go on and on, and there's so many other credentials. So, uh, but I don't, I want to stop talking because I could probably talk way too much. (laughs) So Dan, welcome. Glad you're here. Well, thank you. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Me too. And, And Joanne, you're in your art studio, you said. I am. I'm in my art studio. It looks kind of cluttered, and uh, I'm seeing my background as being a little bit cluttered, but honestly, it's hard to be an artist and not be cluttered. 
You know what? I've never heard of an uncluttered artist, actually. You, there's that, where that creativity goes. I do want to just say something, too, about Joanne, because, Joanne, you've, you've not only written this book, but you've also written five children's books. And you also have a book that I also have on my shelf here, and it is Be Your Finest Art. And, and from what I understand of your story, these your, your artistry and your writing has emerged what more in the empty nester stage of life from what I understand. But what I would like to really tune into is you two are, are entrepreneurials, uh, entrepreneurials, how do you say it? I can't say it right. Entrepreneurs. <laughs> Entrepreneurial couples. Yes. But, uh, but, and then raising your children kind of in a traditional format, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And Dan, you've got a background also in psychology, which I, I was really, I resonated with, but Share with folks your story about your beginnings, how you met, and yeah, share a little bit of background for folks to, to get to know you. Sure. And one of, uh, first thing, I'll, I'll start off with saying one piece of advice my mother gave me uh, that I thought was kind of strange, but uh, I listened. And that was, if you don't go to college for any other reason than to meet a good man, that might be a good place to start. <laughs> I, met, I met Dan on the very first day at Ohio State. I was 17 and he was 18. It was his sophomore year and my the beginning freshman year. And the rest is history. We were married at 19 and 20. And, uh, and that, that's not 1920. That was 19 years old <laughs> and 20 years old. We're not quite that old. Close, not quite. But uh, it's been quite a journey. And I, at the time, at that time, I had no idea what an entrepreneur was or Mennonite, which he was raised. Um, I had a lot of learning to do. I've done a lot of learning through the years. And um, quite honestly, Dan's the wisest man I've ever known. I didn't have a father, didn't have brothers, everybody, all the men were um, divorced out of my family. And so I had no male influences. And Dan is, has always been my best friend and mentor and um, a psychologist and whatever. <laughs> and it's been 53, almost 54 years of that. And um, we have managed to go through all the ups and downs and interesting curves of being an entrepreneurial marriage. And uh, go ahead, Dan, you can go from there. All right. Well, and one of the things that people find interesting is that our backgrounds could not have been more different. Mm. The way we were raised, the values we were brought up with were totally different. Any counselor would have told us, you guys don't have a chance. This would be horrible. But we've embraced those differences in our marriage, have seen those as bringing, you know, diversity and uh, excitement to our marriage rather than why aren't you like I am? Mm. So instead of trying to make each other clones of each other, we've really looked at the, the differences. That's been a, a strength and again, an adventure for us to uh, explore those things. But uh, we, we came from such different backgrounds and we just learned together. We got married very young, which we consider again an advantage in that regard because we weren't so set in our ways. We just grew up together in many ways. And that's been a a wonderful opportunity for us. Wow. Wow. That is amazing too, because you think, uh, I mean, your brains are not even totally online yet until you're in your mid twenties or something. Yeah. And, uh, but, but that, that 
is an amazing story. Uh, let me ask you something, because when I was rereading your book, Joanne, and also reflecting on the time that I've spent with you face-to-face -face there at the sanctuary in Franklin, uh, there's a theme that comes across to me, and that theme being one of respect. Like, I know that it is so very crucial to have trust in your marriage, right? And it's also very crucial to have um, commitment, which obviously you both have, but that theme of respect, I'd like for you to, to speak to that as far as how in the world could you as an 18 and 19 year old have lasted into a 53 year old marriage and still have wonderful smiles on your faces and love life like you do? <laughs> well, it, take, it takes intentionality for sure, but mm -hmm. we both knew that from the very start that we did not want to emulate homes uh home situations that we came from and so we drew a line in the sand i can so remember sitting in our little house trailer eight by 42 mm. house trailer very small when we were first married we lived that in that for the first four years and uh, i remember sitting there talking about we're going to draw a line in the sand and we're going to start anew and we are not going to, we're going to put a new branch on our family tree. And we've certainly done that mm. um, in many respects. But when you come uh, to the word respect, that always comes to mind when somebody asks, what do you think uh, is, a, is something that you want to tell others of, that's helped you to get through all of these years and the upheavals and so forth and the moves and all the things that we've gone through uh, uh, through our marriage? And respect always is the first word that comes to mind because I think we have a tendency to lose sight of that in our marriage because we get too comfortable and we expand uh, and too much expecting uh, others to do what we want without really respecting who they are, where they're coming from and what your circumstances are. And so much as I, you know, are different, we are very different, but I respect Dan and, and admire him for the strengths that he brings to our marriage. And I try to let him lead with that. But on the other hand, Judy, I can so be overrun because I am so different from he, him, mm -hmm. from, the, from the way he is, that um, he can easily put me right under his thumb and, you know, I, I will take commands. That's not very respectful for him to not recognize that hurts my feelings. That's, that is, that's I, not I, my personality. Yeah, you know, that that's amazing because you do have two different personalities and, and something in you obviously rises up, right? But I'm like curious how in the world, because you are, you're growing up in a culture in which that is acceptable, right? That power over the man is the head of the home and powering over his wife. And um, so, so I mean, did did you have mentors? How did you learn? <laughs> How did you learn what you have learned? Yep, definitely that had, that you were doing well. Definitely had mentors, but mm -hmm. we read a lot. We uh, we we were we started going to a little church actually before we got married. Uh, took Dan left the church, the Mennonite church that his father was pastoring. That was a difficult time for him, but he he just couldn't go there anymore. And I had never gone to church. So it was new to me. But we started going to a little church in Mansfield, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And there were some of the most, the sweetest couples. 
we saw marriages that we thought, oh my gosh, is this the way his family's supposed to be? Oh, wow. Neither one of us recognized that until we saw it in the people around us. We were both so sheltered. Hmm. And so once we were um, in this situation where we saw these young couples, well, actually, they were probably middle age at that point, younger than we are now, but certainly older than we were, having families, and they were happy. Mm. and they were married they weren't divorced and wow. and so um we we got we certainly became friends with them they were great about mentoring us but also we read a lot of books we talked incessantly and worked things out you know dan and i just had a situation just recently I and mean, we're both in our 70s and we are still learning about each other how to navigate it's wow. a, an ongoing road and i have to learn to speak up in order to um, to have him recognize what I'm feeling because with his personality, he's not gonna normally just know what's in my head. But that's also a man thing. <laughs> no. That's true, I, I don't know. I mean, we expect, our, we expect our spouses to read our minds, yes. right? Of course, you know, of course this is logical. And uh, yes. well, Dan, so share with us too, what was that like? For you, it sounds to me like there was a certain thing that was modeled, I'm thinking, with your culture and, and your Mennonite growing up and your family, and you, now you've got a wife that's speaking up. I mean, tell, tell us more about that. How did yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's a good reference point because in that culture, the strict religious heritage that I grew up in, very, very clear. They use the biblical principles. Women are to submit, to be quiet. And that. so I, I came out of that, not really expecting that, but just not having observed anything other than that. Mm. So and it was clear that Joanne wanted to have a voice. We did. We sought out mentors. We studied. We went to coaching and counseling. And I've always viewed our marriage. You, you, you kind of referenced that we're entrepreneurs and I love the entrepreneurial lifestyle. You find something, you figure out how to do it better, and wow, the world rewards you for doing that. I've always seen our marriage as an entrepreneurial adventure. So mm. it's not just, I hope it works out. No, let's be so intentional. I want to be just as intentional about making my marriage good as I do making a business good. Wow. What can I do to make it thrive and prosper. So it's not just a secondhand kind of thing. It's very, very important uh, to both of us, but certainly to, to me as well. I'm not just out there an entrepreneur and then the marriage is kind of, well, that's what's, what gets what's left over. We've never approached it like that. Joanne's always filled in as needed, mm -hmm. but I've learned along the way not to try to force her into roles that just fill the gaps that I don't do well assuming that she's going to do those, but to understand what is it that she does well. And so at this point, I mean, she's an artist. She's very committed to some of the things that she does in the community where we live. So she does nothing directly in the business. Now she's my biggest cheerleader, my biggest supporter. She wants to know what's going on, but she has no responsibilities at all because the things that I need done in the business are not things that fit Joanne well. Mm -hmm. And I want to respect that. So yeah. I have other people in place to do those things and to allow her to be fully who she needs to be. Wow, that is remarkable. I, I can tell that this has been a, a journey of nurturing that respect. One thing, one part of your story 
Joanne. First, I, I, there's two things I really wanted to bring out in, in your book. At the very beginning, you tell a story, of, which is a true story, of the gaps in your family of origin and the trauma that you went through. But then you also quickly, you quickly contrasted that with an equally true story. That really touched me in which the narrative was true and, and, and it really, it, it was a life-giving story, right? So I, I just, number one, I think that is amazing. It, it seems, and, and maybe you could speak more to that about how doing that has um, maybe helped you in your marriage or because Dan, I'm hearing from you too, that you took a huge risk to leave your, your dad's church, your, your faith. Both of you are, um, I, I, I think it's just amazing, but maybe speak to that because that's not an, that's not an easy thing to do. And it took a tremendous amount of courage. And then to change one, one's perspective. I'm, I'm trying to weave all this together, I guess. And, and well, just, yeah, flesh this my, out a little bit for us. My future was pretty well laid out. Mm. I was to go to school as long as the state required to go to school and then quit and help my dad on the farm. Mm. That was my responsibility. There was no talk about what kind of work you love or what vocation you may be called to. None of that at all. It was, this is a responsible thing to do. You help your dad. And then also, in terms of getting married, the choices were very, very narrow. Mm. We had a tiny, tiny little church, but I was expected to then marry somebody within the faith, within our little legalistic community. And I just, I, I didn't see either of those as being realistic fit for me. I wanted more in my life than just working on the farm. I wanted to see more, go more, do more, have more, be more than what the farming environment really seemed to allow. And I certainly didn't find uh, the options for marriage partners very attractive in our tiny little sphere. Mm. So moving outside in both of those saying, I don't want to be confined to the farm. I want to go to college, which my parents were not in favor of as a way to broaden my horizons, my options. And I started dating girls that were everything that my parents warned me against. But it took a lot of, a lot of fortitude, a lot of bullheadedness, obviously, on my part to risk not going to hell in doing some wow. of the things that I was doing. It was that much a part of our culture and life. But I was just determined I was going to have a better life. And in exploring outside in those arenas, and as Joanne mentioned, we met some other couples that we saw, wow, they're, they're driving nice cars, they have fine jewelry, they have a lot of fun in their life, they go on vacations, mm. exciting places, and yet they're very committed as Christians. That really spoke to us, and we really leaned into the mentoring from people like that early in our marriage, and continued to all through our marriage, we still look for people that we can model, that we can learn from in an ongoing process. Wow. And that, you know what, that sounds like the abundant life to me, <laughs> as far as, you know, living the abundant life as, as a Christian. That's amazing. Judy, you, you uh, talked about looking at your life with, as, uh, with different eyes, with mm. different perspective. Perspective is something that I, I teach a lot and, and think about a lot in my art. 
and in my writing. And um, but it's something that we need to be aware of in our lives, too, because, yes, I can create the story or I can tell the story, relate the story of a broken home, uh, no father, um, poverty, being on welfare. I could go on and on and on. However, there were so many things I learned through that. And I think mm. that's where we have to, to look at, um, at our lives. If we're looking in retrospect, let's look at some things with, with different eyes, a different perspective. What, even, even though I had uh, um, a lot of poverty in my life, I learned how to create beauty out of that. Mm. And I think that's a lot of what I tried hard to do in creating my haven of peace, our, our abode, the place that we live. And, and that's something that will is ongoing in my life always. But there were so many things that I learned in spite of the circumstances. And sometimes it's really hard. We get so caught up in our circumstances that we really don't see, okay, one of our one of our key um, phrases is, "What can I learn from this? Mm. What does this What does this make possible?" Mm. And so we have done that so many times in our lives. Instead of looking at everything with gloom and doom, or well, I'm this way because of mm -hmm. you know, okay, I'm not going to let that define me. That's not who I am. That's not who I want to become. So what do I do to get out of that? And this is something that I was not brought up with, nor was Dan. It's something that, it, you know, we still are learning. Like I said, if we ever stop learning, might as well dig a grave and put us in it. That's just part of learning to live together. Uh, we had a conversation the other day about how people talk to other people that we just don't do in our family. And, I, and, we, and we, talk about, we talked about the fact that People see that on TV every day. Mm, mm, yeah. How other how get they're treated by other people? They're yelled at. They're finger pointing. They're accusing, and they're and all and all of this kind of stuff that we don't do. We never have. Mm. That is just not allowed in our home by our children. Our children respected us enough to never do that, and we didn't do that to them, and we didn't do it to each other. That doesn't mean that everything was all roses all the time we had disagreements we all did but we can sit down and talk about it without screaming and yelling and fighting and being so angry that we slam the doors and walk out like you see on tv and in the movies we don't do that nor do we watch that stuff so anyway. <laughs> that's probably part of it yeah we don't <laughs> mental diet means a lot doesn't it oh my uh yeah so what's normal on tv uh or Actually, I have a couple questions are coming up to me right now, and I want to ask you about this. Um, number one, like the you know, with all of us going through the pandemic and the news and all of the things and, and politics and culture and everything, I mean, it's just been a lot of surrounding. Sur our whole planet is surrounded with all this negativity. How how does the average family? Or what would be a good diet for a family that's raising kids or any of us for that matter? What, how much news do we really need to know? How much, you know, like, how, how do you all do it? How do you handle that? <laughs> well, we're probably pretty extreme in that regard because... Abnormal. <laughs> <laughs> 
I just, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, I want to know what's happening in business, what the trends are, opportunities and all of that. But I don't get helpful information from the news. The news is totally designed to share negative things. It just, they produce these documentaries that are about topics that are divisive. They're going to train us how to hate each other and how to decide who's right and who's wrong. It's just not the kind of healthy living, no matter what kind of what you're doing to create income. It's just not healthy living. Mm -hmm. So we have a TV in our family room. And what it does 99% of the time is have on beautiful music that we have as background. Mm -hmm. So we have Pandora and we have music channels that we've carefully selected. That's what's on there. We don't have regular TV access. So we don't have where we can go to the news channels or watch sporting events. Or we can sit down and we can select a movie to watch. We're very careful. There's not many that I agree to sit through personally. So we watch maybe two movies a month. So we don't have that as the input. We can choose other ways to have positive, pure, clean input. I highly guard the first two hours of the day. Mm. You know, one of my books is the rudder of the day. How do you start the day? So I guard that time where I get up and go through meditation, devotionals, and then go out and walk, exercise. I mean, the things that I do in that period of the day then determine what I'm going to do. So I don't get, grab my phone before I get out. The phone is never, our phones are never in our bedroom. We don't have them there. We want to sleep that when we're in the bedroom. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so I don't jump up and grab my phone and see who texted me or emails that I got or what the news is. None of that at all. I get up, carefully protect that time. So after two hours, then I'm mentally prepared to start the day. Joanne's up. We usually share a cup of tea in the morning and then start our day having started it in that way. Mm. Judy, the, the, the gist of this is we don't even need to listen to the news. We're going to hear it. Everybody's talking about it. So if they're, for, we live in Florida. We didn't even know when there were hurricanes coming. Seriously? Okay, well, I guess we need to know that. But we just so rarely watch anything like that. Uh, and I know we're abnormal in that. And I know that there are people who say, well, we've got to know what's going on. We can't do anything about it. What we can do, and 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 my favorite quote, and it's in the um, uh, Creating a Haven of Peace book is, what happens in our country is not is it's contingent upon what is or well now i'm messing it up your the success future, your success is not uh reliant on what's happening in the white house but it is reliant on what is happening in your house and barbara bush said that years yes. ago in an interview. i remember and hearing yes that was so awesome. so true mm -hmm. i have the responsibility of my own family Mm -hmm. my neighborhood, my community. I cannot change the whole world. I cannot change the political uh, atmosphere. I cannot change the weather. I cannot change all of the things that I don't have any control over. So I have to concentrate on what I do have control over. And in that, I can be very content in never hearing what's happening in the White House because it does nothing but make me angry, tense, irritable, frustrated, all of those depressed mm. that I see in other people. I don't yeah. want to go there. Yeah. Well, we and at the don't. same time, I mean, we, we, we haven't withdrawn from society. We're very active 
I mean, we, we eat out all the time. We, Joanne's so involved in community groups. I'm involved in men's group. You know, we travel a lot. We're very connected. We aren't trying just to live somewhere in a hut in the middle of nowhere at all. But we choose what kind of information we allow into our mind. The old Zig Ziglar thing, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Mm. We just don't mm. fill our minds with a lot of the things that are popular in the news right now. So we can live lives that are very intentional and full of positive things. Yes. And, and that's where the power is, isn't it? Because what I've learned is that, yeah, the anger, the, de the depression, the irritability and all that, that puts you in a suffering state, doesn't it? And when you're in a suffering state, you really can't be in a creative state. Mm -hmm. So in reality, choosing your mental diet as if you choose the kind of food that you eat right or the friends that you hang out with it sounds to me like you two are are very selective because you are making a huge influence in other people's lives there's no doubt right there is power there by your well, limited you're you're doing a, a podcast here and of course we're big believers in podcasts i've been podcasting for a very long time and uh, i'm fortunate to have a very large audience so, you know, I want to be able to share things that are going to help people mm. live positive lives as well. Mm. I don't want to be somebody who's just passing along again, things that are going to help people see the negative or how to hurt other people or be disrespectful. I want to help them model the things that are going to give them lives that we're enjoying. I, I love that. And Dan, you, you do such an excellent job with that. You give people an opportunity to call in, record their voice, ask a question. And so... I'm thinking that you're keeping a great pulse on the thought, thoughts out there and, and what people are struggling with and, and you're able to then address it. And uh, I think that's, I just think that's a beautiful thing for sure that, you know, more people need to realize that this mental health stuff is really matters. And so anyway, not to make too many declarations because I think I love it that you two are modeling this. It's beautiful. It's well, thank beautiful. You. Uh, I, I have a couple other questions. I'm not sure how we're doing time-wise. I think maybe I'm just, this time goes so fast with, when I'm with you two. You're awesome. Uh, so, so um, yeah, what do you think at this stage where people are raising their kids and digital world and all the stuff that's coming at them and both of, of the parents are, are in business? They're, they may be in business together. They may have separate businesses but um, what advice do you think that those parents and, and marriages, spouses need? Wow, that's a broad question. It is a very broad well, one. <laughs> well, one of the things, I'll just take a couple things off the top and then uh, Joanne can add to it as well. But one of the things off the top is to control what they're exposed to. Don't give them just unlimited access mm. to information and online connections just because it's available. And there are a lot of things about technology or anything. I mean, it's like a brick. It can be used to build a cathedral or it can be used to smash somebody's window. Mm. And a lot of things we have access to today are the same way. If we use them properly, they can be great tools for us and for our good. But if we aren't careful, those can be used in very negative ways. So control what they have access to. Control who they spend time with. I mean, the kind of people they spend time with are going to be reflected in the people they, they become. So it's certainly not out of line. I mean, a lot of times today parents kind of just give, assume their children are just little adults and they just give them absolute freedom. We don't see that as healthy as all at all. 
We want to be parents. We want to set guidelines and boundaries and help our children see things uh, in ways that are going to help them be positive adults. What do you want to add to that, honey? Well, being uh, parents doesn't mean just being their best friends either. Somebody's got to be in charge. And again, that comes back to respect like we talked about before. Um, our, we uh, always said we had a, big, uh, a benevolent dictatorship in our house. Mm. And the kids learned uh, how to, uh, one of the mottos that we had is always is practice being kind instead of right. Ooh. But uh, when you were when you said something that what could what can you do as an alternative to all the digital stuff, we'd still do. And it was interesting last night we were sitting here at eleven o'clock at night, still playing games with our twenty-six-year-old grandson who was over. Today, right now in the uh, in our uh, family room, we have three of the grandkids, and Ashley is here. And so um, we are going to do an art project. There's so many things that you can do beyond television or uh, your computer and your phone and iPad and all of that kind of stuff. We play a lot of games. There's never, there's really, I can almost say never a day goes by. We don't play something. Uh, Joanne and I, with the two of us. Yeah, I carry, I carry a deck of cards in my, in my purse and so even if we're out at a restaurant or something, we're playing a game. So, you know, there's a lot of game playing puzzles. We do a lot of puzzles. We do a lot of just exploring the area. We're new to Florida, fairly new to Florida now. And we like to just take a, take a road trip, go out and, and see what's around us. There is so much to do beyond just those digital devices that people need to, but again, it comes back to intentionality. And what mm. do you want? What are your goals for your family? Mm. And, and, and taking control as parents. We never lived in our home. It was never a child-centered home. It was parents first and each other, spouse first, and then the children. That's... They came into our lives, because, and we are the parents. So we are still in control, but we can do it with kindness and with respect. And what a modeling that you're doing too, Joanne and Dan, uh, for your own grown children and for your grandchildren, because when they know mom and dad are joined at the hip and they're partners and they're living life and doing life together, that is amazing. Um, you know, here, here's one other thing I wanted that's coming up for me. There's a lot of folks that may be listening that they may look at the two of you and have a whole lot of regrets about their own lives. And they may have, uh, they may even be living with a spouse for many years. And instead of living together, they're, they're, they're dying together. Mm. What would you say to those that are listening that are in that category? It's never too late for a new beginning. That's what you're getting ready to say, isn't it, Daniel? Yes. <laughs> never too late for a new beginning. And I don't do regret. Mm. That, it's pointless. Oh, um, wait, let me hold that. Say that again. You I don't do regret. regret. It's pointless. And the re and that's not because I did everything perfectly by any means. We weren't, uh, when we got uh, children, we didn't, they didn't come with a guidebook. We learned along the way. So believe me, we, we have, we've learned a lot. And, um, the reason I don't do regrets is because I did the very best I knew how 
with the tools I was given at that time. That, that I'm hearing a lot of grace and I'm hearing a lot of self-compassion, which is so necessary. I love that, Joanne. You don't do regret. It's, oh my it's goodness, important. Yeah, yes. I, I could spend the rest of my life feeling guilty about things I did wrong. But what is that going to do other than just destroy me from the inside out? Mm, and I've mm -hmm. learned that doesn't work too well. That is so, amazing. Um, yeah, I, I figure... I had a certain toolbox, a certain set of experience and knowledge at, at every given point. And I did the best I knew how. It's not like I ever set out to destroy people or to destroy myself or my home. So I did the best I knew how with the tools I was given at that time. And that changes through different seasons in life. I, yes, I wholeheartedly resonate with that. It's like, you do go through this, these seasons, don't you? Like you're a different person than you were when you two first met. You're not newlyweds anymore. And then you've got this awareness, but I'm so hearing actually the acronym that I talk about in my book of taking a deep breath of air, like it slows down your nervous system, first of all, but the A being awareness, you increase in awareness and then the I and in intentionality for air and then those risks of growth. My goodness, you too have modeled that. Did you have any more to add? to that, Dan? Well, that's, that's something that we've considered to be such an exciting part of our lives together is the way we both changed. You know, we hear couples who after 23 years of marriage, well, she's not the person I married. My gosh, <laughs> I hope not. Hope not. <laughs> I mean, we were teenagers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but change is inevitable. If there's growth of any kind, that's taking place. If no changes has happened, there's no growth just mm -hmm. by definition. So we welcome the times of growth, ways that we can change. I mean, Joanne started developing as an artist, having gone through the empty nest syndrome when our youngest child left home for college when she was 50. So mm -hmm. she's developed a lot of what she's known for today since then. I never mm -hmm. wrote a book until I was almost 50 years old and we went through a really tough financial crisis that I had created through some business investments where we got back to zero. I mean, I'll never forget the day we got back to zero coming up out of a hole where our net worth was zero. I was 53 years old. So we started from that point, but those monumental changes that we've been through were very, very different. But all along the way, we had an opportunity to embrace how we were growing personally and the opportunities that gave us for growing as a couple. That is remarkable. Yeah, because uh, it's never too late. It is, a, I mean, you could, be, you could be 89 years old, it's never That's too right. late. And, right. and I think too, what I'm hearing from the two of you is being able to reframe like whatever quote unquote failures or things you go through, you walk in the light with what you have, right? And then you, you gain more light and then, then you, then you're seeing how you have grown. Right. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I just, um, I see that in, in you too. And that makes for a remarkable partnership. Well, the, the two, <laughs> the I think two so. of us, Judy, you and I have had both had background in counseling mm -hmm. and we understand the dynamics of counseling to gently look at those early influences in your life and what have framed you. I've moved, as you know, much more into to coaching. 
where it's mm -hmm. just kind of a little bit of a difference where, okay, you know, here's where you've come from. Here's where you are today. My focus is not what got you to where you are, but rather, where do you want to be three years from now? Yes. So it's very future oriented. So in that sense, it's very hopeful for people yes. who feel like they've maybe made some mistakes along the way. That's okay. Let's draw a line in the sand. Where do you want to be three years from now? And that's a process that can happen if you're 16 or if you're 89 years old. I love that. And, and, it's been a while since I've talked with y'all, but I also have developed my own coaching program called Show okay. Up and Be You. And okay. it's a nine month coaching program for couples. And it is so transformational. And it makes me think there's some limits when you, <laughs> when you see a client, you know, a couple for a 90 minute session, and then there's space in between, there's life that's lived, and then you come for another session. But anyway, it is extremely effective, and I am excited about it. But I hear what you're saying. Yes, getting grounded enough in your narrative, in and having a life-giving narrative, as you've shown us how to do, right, jo uh, Joanne? Um, and and focusing on that and living in the moment, living in the here and now, uh, and also just being excited about living this abundant life. Like, but it takes risks. And I've, that's beautiful that you two have demonstrated that and you're 53 years, starting out as 17 and 18 year olds, <laughs> newlyweds. <laughs> well, oh we, my goodness. we recently made a major change and people wondered about that. You know, are you guys really going to pick up and move several states away and kind of start a lot of things over. Well, we, we love that sense of adventure and the opportunities that change bring to reevaluate. What do we really want to be committed to? How do we want to invest our time? So we've had a ball this last year and a half mm. doing exactly that. Explore new things together, anticipate in the next 25 years, things we want to do. Uh, so we're, we're having a lot of fun making decisions because we intentionally created some change again, some major change in our lives. I've seen that up close and personal because some very valuable possessions that you left behind there in Franklin, yes. I was very touched by of the value of letting go and, and how you demonstrated that uh, and, and you're still living that full abundant life um love it love yeah, hanging joanne, out with you too <laughs> joanne tell honey tell tell judy what do you say every morning when you get up at this stage in our lives i can't believe we live in paradise wow it's a beautiful day in paradise every day even if it's raining it's beautiful here we just absolutely love it so you know, it, it's, um, it's a great season in our lives and, mm -hmm. and we're excited about it. And, and, and we, that's kind of the, what, what we've, every time we've moved, it's been a new season of fun and adventure because that's the perspective we chose to take. And wow. I think it's really important to add, it's not, we're not looking just to external circumstances for our sense of joy and peace. This is an adventure. This is a paradise. We'd be in trouble if that were true, because as, as you know, you know, everywhere you go, there you are. So I was, thinking, I was thinking, you know, we've been married too long. I knew that's what he was going to say. <laughs> Wherever you go, there you are. So wow. it, it's not that we just, we, it's not that we moved and we moved to this wonderful place and now everything is, no, you know, we, again, we love the environment. We did 
intentionally choose a lot of things about the environment, where we live and uh, the house we have and all of that, but it's still the life we live that gives us a sense that we're living in paradise. You know, I, I would imagine you probably don't have a problem uh, trying to convince the children or the grandchildren to come over and visit on special occasions. There's so many in our generation. I mean, you know, folks in their 60s and 70s, and they complain that their kids don't come to visit them. But why? I mean, what you're sharing is extremely attractive. Like, I would you know, versus being sucked up into this obligation of visiting, you have oh. this beautiful life that people are just like, you're like magnets, people are attracted to. So I don't know if you have as many visitors as you did there in Franklin, because you had that sanctuary and all of that. So we uh, we you do. probably we have do. to say, okay. Well, our our <laughs> 26 year old grandson who moved from Colorado here, right to where we live. Now he's got his own apartment, but he so anticipates Sundays, spending Sundays with us. There's Aww. no place he'd rather be than with us. And then his day off, we have to remind him sometimes that we have other things that we need <laughs> to do because he'd love to spend his other day off of the week here as well. The three little girls that are here, I mean, they just count the minutes till they can come here. There's never Aww. enough time here. And the phrase that they use coming to Yaya and Papa's house feels it just walking into the house feels like a big hug. Oh, 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 that's so that's beautiful. Sweet. And I've met your, your grandchildren. They're so beautiful. And your, and your uh, daughter and son-in-law, I think um, I might've met some more, but yeah, what you're saying is so absolutely true. There is this warmth and it's, you can feel it in your bones just being around you too. So oh, thank, thank you, you so much. I do want to um, just ask, how can our listeners learn more about you? I, I know you're going to say go to 48days.com, right, right, Dan? <laughs> I should let you say that. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's certainly a place where we have a lot of resources that we've built over the years to help people in the entrepreneurial journey, for sure. Now, people can contact Joanne through there as well, but she also has her own website, joannefmiller.com. J-O-A-N-N-E-F Miller, JoanneFMiller.com. And uh, uh, yeah, I've got my own website and you can see my books and my um, some of my art and that kind of, and blogs, blog posts. This, I, this needs to be a required reading for everyone. Everyone, especially entrepreneurial couples raising kids, definitely read this book. And it's I've given it as gifts. And I, and then also the children's books are such a delight. I've given that to my, my grandchildren as well. Thank so you. thank you too so much. I appreciate you taking the time. And uh, this is just so very refreshing for me to be with you. And I know it is with our listeners as well. Thank you so much. Wishing you lots of success in what you're doing, Judy. Thank you. Thank you again to the Millers for joining me on Better Relationships, Better Life. I thought it was so great to hear Dan and Joanne talk about raising a family in a world that can feel overwhelmingly negative. And with a strong faith at that, the Miller's marriage is something truly special. A long-standing commitment plus a deep-hearted love and happiness seems so rare these days, but we know it's possible. And may you be intentional to make longevity and happiness 
a priority in your marriage. With that, you definitely don't want to miss our next episode as I interview Dr. Robin Buckley. She gives us practical tools to create a successful relationship based on business principles. You'll know the difference between couples coaching and couples counseling. Don't miss episode number three on Better Relationships, Better Life. I'm Judy K. Herman, and I'll see you next time.